Life Happens with Pinelo Mutine. Pinelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Four minutes after two o'clock, it's that time where we have our audit. And uh, today we're discussing housing in South Africa and the state of housing in South Africa. So I'm sitting with uh, three people, uh, Professor Marie Khotsamaya, Professor of School of Architecture and Planning at University of the Witwatersrand at WITS. And in my Cape Town studio, I've got uh, Dr. Sumaya Bukis, who's a public law researcher at the University of the Western Cape, and Spamandla Mkwanazi, Senior Economist at FNB. Welcome, everybody. So, have you got your mic on? I've, I can't hear you, Spamandla. Yes. Yes, you're fine. Got All right. Well, uh, let me start with you, um, Dr. Bukas, uh, in our Cape Town studio. Just let's let's just give us, you know, the breakdown of what the crisis looks like. Give us the very basic stats of what it looks like in this country. What numbers are we looking at? Who has not got housing in this country? Well, if we look at the total housing backlog, it's 3.3 million people that is still really in informal settlements, as we call it, you know, and which is basically squatter camps. Those are not even counting the people that are living in backyards. And then we've got the homeless also. But technically, according to the Housing Development Agency, we've got 3.3 million people that needs to be housed as soon as possible. Okay, you speak of the backlog. That's because we had we had an objective at some point. In 1994, we had an idea that we're going to be building X number of homes. How, how far are we from that? Look, although we have built quite a significant part or amount of homes, we are still nowhere near filling up the backlog because, of course, the population grow and people come to the cities and so informal settlements grow also to that extent. But the biggest problem is that, you know, we, we have a vision. We had a vision on the human settlements uh, vision for 2030 that they were going to deliver 1.5 million housing units by 2019. And that backlog cost was going to be about 800 billion to eradicate housing by 2020. But the breaking new ground policy already said that in 2004 that they aim to eradicate informal settlements by 2014. If the housing, the, if the minister's promises of delivering is kept, then this means that the minister will have to see that 375,000 houses are built each year. And the track record is really nowhere near that. The recent stat says that only 118 was built in the best years of when we did deliver. And the minister also admits, the previous ministers admit that we have retrogressed on housing, that we are building less now than we built before. And of course, we've spent over two billion on rectifying those houses that we are building for the people. In other words, these were structures that were not built properly. Yeah, despite that we have a South African national standards and a building standards and building inspectors and people that have to come and look and see that these things happen properly. But because of the procurement irregularities and all kinds of irregularities going on, houses are built or they are half built or they are built with inadequate materials because these standards are not kept. And so we've spent another two billion 
just on rectifying those houses. All right. I want to take your calls because this is obviously very depressing. Um, and I'm going to be uh, opening the lines also to to you to also send us our WhatsApp notes. The WhatsApp number is 0861-410-4107. Just make it quite short, okay? Just about a couple of seconds, 30 seconds at most. And then you can send us those SMSs as well for 1391. And really, I want to know your frustrations with being given a home either by government if you applied for one or how difficult it has been for you to acquire a home from the private sector so where you can get a mortgage and so on so i'd like to take those calls call sfm right now on 0891-104-207. so we're in conversation really about the uh, the state of housing in this country and i've opened the lines to you 891 before we went to the break i was speaking to dr sumeya bukas who is on our cape town studios she's a researcher at university of the western cape just giving us just a, an overview of how desperate the situation is now from where she stands um we have a massive way to go and in fact what is very concerning is that um the that 2.5 billion rand that she's referring to of money spent to rectify problems associated with procurement and so on. I want to bring in here Professor Marie. Um, uh, did you say Khozamaya? Khozamaya. She's from uh, WITS and she's from the School of Architecture and Planning. You, you know, Dr. Buick has mentioned fruitless expenditure, which, which has come through over and over again with a lot of our de- service deliveries and so on, and irregular expenditure. In other words, Am I right in saying um, the issue is not quite always about the money? It's it's not the fact that we don't have the money available. It's just sort of how we're using this money. Yes, I think I think it's a um, so getting housing right is a very difficult task, and a lot of it has to do with governance. It has to do with how. Um, national, provincial and local governments speak to one another, the processes between them um, and the politics between them. And then internally in each of these um, institutions and departments, um, it's it's really not easy for individual officials to do what they're supposed to be doing if, if, if the systems are being undermined and, and so on. So so I think it's it's a really difficult task. Um, but but I also think we, we need to step um, take one step back and question whether we're going about it in the right way by 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 assuming that everybody can be given a house um, and and whether that unpack that a little bit for me yes so whether the backlog really is um, just a number of of people living in shacks um, whether that should just be translated then into number of houses the state should be building or whether we should um, facilitate and enable a whole lot of different ways through which people can um, either acquire housing or improve um, or or um, the state responding to where people already are in in um, improving the situation. I mean, you do a lot of, of urban planning and, and looking at those kind of things. And lots of discussions have gone into, for instance, to what extent do we need to disrupt people who've settled themselves or or manage those people and perhaps just allow them to go on and do what they need to do in their own way, in their own capacity, rather than promise them 
a house somewhere else. Yes, so, so, so already um, Dr. Beck has mentioned breaking new ground, which was a sort of a policy shift in 2004 or refinement. And that introduced upgrading of informal settlements mm. as a, a program, which um, the interesting thing about it is, is it can be litigated. It it's can be enforced through the courts. Mm. And in 2016, the courts found that that is actually the applicable program for all informal settlements. And mm. it, it found that City of Jobbik was, was unlawful in not implementing it in one particular settlement. Um, but even since then, it's been very hard to get this off the ground, although the officials are willing, the sort of... It, it, it's bureaucratically very hard to, to shift the gear from delivering houses for everybody, for treating every individual as a beneficiary that either qualifies or doesn't, and very neatly then fits into the category of getting a house and with no idea of what to do with the rest, to moving to informal settlement upgrading where you're dealing with a complex environment. Your task is to upgrade, to improve in an inclusive way that actually helps everybody um, put deeper roots down where they already are. Um, in a way that's safe, um, so that also has to take into account your technical problems and how to deal with those, but keeping relocation at a minimum, and as you said, that word disrupting, not disrupting people's lives, because those are people that are, you know, even if you earn 5,000 Rand a month and you earn too much to qualify, you're still struggling. You're still struggling to pay the transport to your job that might be security guard somewhere on the other side of town. Um, you struggle um, to put your kids through school, to, to get groceries, all of those things. So um, the, the more supportive the state can be, the better. So, I mean, when you, when you listen to the rhetoric, the political rhetoric, you're not hearing a lot of that, and which surprises me because the... The, the the notion that people who move themselves or gather themselves in an, an informal settlement are are willing to stay in squalor and in, in in spaces that are not organised is not true. In fact, I've been to many um, informal settlements where people have regulated their spaces, where people have created spaces to move car movements and so on, have created their own spaces and 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 almost been very fair in how they distribute land and so on and all they're waiting for is to somebody to give them services the water sanitation and electricity and so on why isn't there a move to adopting that more is is it really about politics because it's very cool for a politician to say we'll build your homes right yes so so there is a move i mean there's a there's a policy to electrify um unproclaimed areas that is informal settlements so um city power as well as escom has already been quite active um, putting in electricity into informal settlements that are not, uh, do they don't have formal tenure. Mm. Um, that of course has confused people and they uh, then assume that, they, that they, they're permanently in their building and brick, but I think that's also something the state has to embrace, that people's ability to actually build and brick um, needs to be supported. Um, those structures, you know, they, they, they should not be then considered people living in shacks anymore. They've already improved their conditions. Um, they need they need tenure security. Um, they need other services to be brought in and so on. But um, that's also why the figures about people living in shacks are actually changing at least in Gauteng and a lot of informal settlements people are starting to build and brick. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to come back to you, Spamandla, because you've just done a study now and, and we'll move to a different segment of this market. But, but also back to you, Dr. Bukas. So in the event that people do um, what Maurice says can, can happen, you know, the government can come in with some infrastructure to support this problem of 
you know, housing. I remember, I think it was a year ago, where there were toilets that were built sort of along the freeway, just un- unglamorous, very, you know, um, unsavory kind of scenes. Um, but they were built and left. And nobody thought of how people were going to get to the toilets at night, why the toilets are not right in the stand that they'll be occupying and so on. So for me, quite clumsy organization. Dr. Bukas? Yes, indeed. But, you know, the problem is much more, much bigger than just the fact that they are not delivering. We have a major procurement corruption problem in housing. And we have had the SIU investigating this since 2007. They have, re- they have given reports to Parliament in 2011, 2012 and 2013 and to the President about the dire straits that we are in, insofar as corruption in, in public procurement. The systemic findings are that officials do not adhere to procurement policies and we've got detailed procurement policies on how to build houses, how to get contracts out there. They don't follow it. They don't follow the, the, the PFMA. They don't follow the Municipal Finance Management Act. They bas- bypass all the policies and regulations where the result is that you have, fa- fa- you have contractors that get paid without delivering the houses or deliver substandard housing or they are paid and they deliver half of it or they deliver just the floor beds Mm. or they don't do the roofing and this has been found in five of the provinces of which the SIU has investigated Mm. none of those uh, those investigations of the SIU has been taken up although Parliament knows about it for me, where I stand, Parliament could have asked for an inquiry and have, could have asked the Minister to come and account on what is happening with the SIU investigations. And then some of these investigations are criminal and they have been handed over to the NPA. But even there, nothing has happened. So when we have to consider this as a political uh, 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 delivery, mm. Politicians are always telling you about how you're going to come off the waiting list. But the waiting list is a myth. There is no waiting list. There is a database, a housing demand database, and there is a national housing needs register. But there isn't a particular list for particular people. This the Dalla Omar Institute and Siri have found out, and they explain it in their a, a research report entitled Jumping the Queue, Waiting Lists and Other Myths. These are perceptions. So, and also none of the policies talks about the length of time that people have been on the waiting list. So nobody's considering that. For instance, the, the upgrading of informal settlements, which is through the BNG program, those have no time frames, according to them. 
I mean, this is fascinating. I, I can see your call, Mzi, Tembigile. I see you, Sipo and Virgil. I will take them in a short while. Let's do this first. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Thanks so much for staying with us. And we're discussing housing in South Africa. And I'm also joined by uh, who you haven't heard yet, Supermanda Mkwanaz, who's a senior, senior uh, economist at FNB. You've done a whole survey, Supermanda, just to assess the need and, and where things are shifting. But, you know, um, Dr. Bjorkas earlier was talking about how procurement has become part of the big problem here. And she's talking about how sometimes you would have um, these foundations that are laid and then nothing happens, you know, issues around procurement. But there, there is another layer and another market where I've seen it before, where someone comes and actually develops in a township. And I've seen this particular development for maybe three years now in 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 Pretoria. And this development, um, kudos to the community, nobody has vandalized, nobody has touched it. It's, I think, complete. In other words, they look, these houses look like they're complete. But these are houses that have got mortgages. These are not state uh, delivered homes. Nobody's occupying the homes. And I have no idea how we get to a situation like this. It's one of many that I've seen. What happens there? Where is where does a bank, for instance, come in and and sort out either a developer that has gone AWOL or maybe ran out of money and didn't deliver? What happens there? Because as part of the country, you need to also be part of the solution. Yeah. Look, um, we've heard of um, of such instances. Um, I might not have full knowledge yes. of that particular one you're talking yeah. about. Um, but where we stand is that. Uh, this problem, yes, it's there, um, but it needs um, interventions from um, um, institutions, for, for example, such as the National Home Builders um, um, Registration um, registra- Registration Council, for example. Those are the people who are responsible for taking to, for giving um, that certificate of completion. Um, once 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 a development is uh, is done and complete, then they give a go ahead that this is fit to be occupied. Um, they give um, they give. Um, uh, 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 certificates that give certification for builders that this builder qualifies mm-hmm. um, to, to to construct houses houses that are fit for purpose. Um, so somewhere somewhere there um, um, somewhere in that um, in that um, um, in that process there seems to be some inefficiencies. I cannot put my my finger on it exactly mm-hmm. where um, we, we 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 mess it, but um, it's happened a number of times. Um, We've, we've, we've seen those kind of things. And, and obviously, again, bringing back the banks where we had very recently, I think it was in Protea, where there was a storm and you had massive structural damage on properties, not one individual. So there must have been an issue with the developer. But yes. here were, 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 um, were people who were paying for bonds who were saying, come and intervene. What's happened to, to the bank that's waiting for me to pay, even though I can't live in this particular structure? Yes, yes. So, 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 yeah. It's um, it's it's it, it, it does happen. It's one of those market failures. Uh, but as I say, where we stand um, as 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 the banking institutions, as we are a facilitator between the developer and the customer, we make it happen. So we 
bring these people together this to say you've got stock here's demand and we will make it we will make it work i do agree though that on the supply side um, we do need some interventions there um interventions in terms of um, um in terms of regulation um interventions in terms of punishing or or, or, or um, blacklisting some of those um, developers that um, that are not delivering that are um, that are that are causing all these um, all these situations um, as things stand there is minimal there's minimal intervention there and um, it's sort of the market regulates itself um, as, as as things stand so it's almost like the market would punish you um, it's an expectation that the market will do the punishing on on, on, on the supplier um, we haven't seen much of that um, so I do agree that we need to need some more um, interventions on the supply side. which then means that there, there are families out there who, who are paying for, for structures that are not adequate. And, and it's quite sad because if government doesn't make enough noise or somebody is not standing up for these people, I suppose they're left, as you said, for the market to regulate itself. I mean, quite unfair. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, it's one of those, as I mentioned, um, one of those market failures. Um, but as I say, um, it's it's, uh, it's it's broader than um, it's broader than um, just the banking industry yes. um, to to, yes. to resolve to resolve these issues. Um, but um, from what we have seen, um, the market, the the, the the demand in the market is there. Um, there are a number of people who are looking for who are looking for low cost um, low cost housing, and what we haven't seen um, is is is, is um, adequate supply um, at correct. Price price points and if you're going to have um, instances like that again it um, it just um, it just kills the supply mm. side of the market Tembelise you're calling us from PE thanks for your patience good afternoon Hi Tembelise Tembelise are you still there Hi good afternoon welcome to the show Tembelise go ahead Yes look man um I think I think let me start this by by saying I've been looking for for property for some time hmm. yeah what I did I tried to apply to the banks because I could not qualify for the RTP based on, on my salary level. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Now, I could not get the, the property. Most banks didn't reply. Those who replied, they just said, uh, I mean, what you call credit risk because I never had credit, what, 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 they can't give me a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And then I had, I had, uh, I had spot my eyes on an apartment which was worth about, uh, what was it, 280000 yeah? Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, I didn't get that. I get a card which was above 200 and something, <laughs> yeah? which that still confused me. There was a difference of, it was, I got a car of 220,000. I couldn't get a house of 280 hmm. apartment, you know. So nevertheless, put that aside. That's, that's private. Those are banks. I tried to apply and then I'm, I'm a typical of the South Africans who are staying on the back room, who are renting on the back room, hmm. you know. I try to apply to this program, this government program. They yeah, in Port Elizabeth they call it Emisi, Emisi Housing. Mm-hmm. You know. Then when I applied there, I applied first. They offered they offered me. A, 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 I've got two kids, two sons. Mm-hmm. They offered a one bedroom flat because the, the 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 kids are staying between me and the mother and what what what. But total, they're not really staying with me full time. But whenever they do come on a weekend, so they said we can, we can accommodate on that. So when I apply, those people, they give me a, a, a one-bedroom flat, which doesn't have carpets, doesn't have wardrobes. That's not a problem. I'll get those ones. But guess what, how much I was going to pay? I was going to pay uh, 2,000, 4,000, 4, 400 rents, sorry, 2,400 rents, a rent alone. That's beside uh, water. That's beside uh, uh, what you call 
car parking that's beside electricity you know so all, all i'm saying is this these, these both government and private they don't really they don't really care on making things easy for us to get housing you know to tell you the the, the, the story i'm from the rural areas from where i am there is this program for rtb houses now my, my fathers were there were saying they get the rtb house but i'm saying i'm gonna get the rtb house here where i'm working i won't be able to afford to, to get the RTB if if i still get because I don't get I don't get paid zero to two thousand five hundred. I, I think 2, you fit into 5, that gap market that we're going to speak about. Listen, thank you very much for for your call, Timbilika. We'll we'll address that now. In fact, that is that big gap market that we keep talking about. What does a person like this do? Because he he then falls out of the system automatically. We'll we'll tackle this as we get back after the headlines. It's now two thirty. Let's go to Uzi Lesaku for the latest in headlines. <laughs> Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So we, we were having a conversation with, uh, oh goodness, I think it was Sipamandla Sipesihe from PE, who was raising a really sensitive discussion because he, I think, falls on, under that gap market. It's, it's classified as a gap market. And I'm going to allow um, one of my guests to respond to that, Sipamandla Mkhanazi, who's a senior economist at FNB, because it's a painful reality. The guy says the bank is willing to give him money for a car very close price point to what he wanted for a house he can get a car shorter term you're not willing to get him a house (laughs) obviously not speak for uh, the banking industry but how would these things work in practice is that when you calculate your risk um, so you get into a position you calculate your risk um, risk is how much this person earns um, what's their affordability level what other debt do they have um, what's their payment history so their payment profile and then you input that into your interest rate and obviously more importantly how long you're going to be in in in, um, in that position in um, in in, um, in that loan so for a car it's usually about five years and there's this perception that a car is more liquid it's easy to get out of that position um, and therefore it's easier to 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 to, to lend to someone who is who's buying a you car you see we're chuckling because we yes, we, 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 you, disagree you with, we disagree <laughs> yes, you with you now a house you are in you are locked into it for 20 years you can make it shorter but your installments are going to be higher right and then that also um, erodes your affordability so it's up to you you can make it shorter you can make it five years if you want but your installments are going to be higher yes interest rate is lower because it's a less of a risk it's a less riskier asset but duration is higher right so you can actually make it five years but your 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 installments are going to be higher and then that tends to erode um, your, your affordability. Dr. Bukas, I want you to come in here as somebody who, who deals a lot with public law is is for me, there are still stakeholders who don't get that there needs to be intervention to deal with this issue. So I see the failure, for instance, in people uh, in regions where um, you've got a different political party running the municipality, you've got a different political party running the province and so on, where they're not, there's almost like sabotage. Um, and, and I also see, for instance, where I'm afraid, I think banks don't come to the party with what's required for this country to eventually deal with the African who has never owned a home. Look, first of all, this blame game between national, provincial and local government must come to an end because the constitution is clear on cooperative governance. And whilst we are on the constitution and on this question on what must happen 
is we must not forget that we all subscribe to the Constitution, all of us in South Africa, not just those that are in government, all of the citizens, all of the banks, all of the financial institutions. We have accepted this as the supreme law of this country. We've accepted it as our sh social contract. And its preamble says that we will heal the ills of the past and we will prosper the people into the future. So when we're coming for home loans or when we are coming for sales in execution, which is the next other problem, we need financial institutions and the courts to take cognizance of the social justice approach that needs to be taken. And it is not that people must derelict from their duties in not paying mm. for something that they have purchased. But when it comes to them having to dock up the money which they can't, or when they are applying for a home loan and they, the, the goalpost is constantly moved, we, those institutions owes it to this democracy to look at social justice in how are they going to help to fix the ills of the past. And I tell you how. Mm. By looking at how people were deprived from immovable property before and how they can help to move them forward today. The banks must please not say to us that they treat everybody equally when it comes to financing. We know that that is not true. My gripe is that those contracts, those con uh, 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 you know, the law is very finicky. It does not want to bring corruption and human rights in one sphere. So you have a silo approach of where you've got civil law, you've got criminal law, and then you've got human rights. And so when you have a house in execution sale, my belief is you have to merge the social justice approach with contract law. In the same vein as you're going to look as the bank to mortgage a house. You need to come to the party on the social justice approach. And I'm not advocating here for a capitalist system, a socialist system, or a communist system, because once you start talking about that, then everybody has got their own way of how they think this thing should unfold. My thing is that we are not going to get equality for all. But we can get a plateau of equality. How? By making sure that at least everybody has a basic house mm. and access to education. Once we all have that plateau, what you do with those two things, if you don't want to work and stay at home and do nothing to improve your life, so be it. But I don't believe that the most of us will resort to that. I feel if we have those two things going for us, we have a springboard of where we can attract the rest of our socioeconomic mm. rights. I couldn't agree with you more. Let's go to Mzi in PE. Hi, Mzi. Pimelo Mudene. Hi, will you, Mzi? Go Pimelo, ahead. I'll try and, I'll try and, I'll, I'll begin from the end with the banks. Yes, right? please. Before I address corruption in the housing and quality. Mm -hmm. The banks, Pimelo. I was at Barclays Bank. You were too young, back in 86. When Barclays Bank changed to First National, I was there, right? And I was a home loans manager at Barclays Bank at FNB, at People's Bank. So I would know something about housing. When Joe Slovo became the first minister of housing, 
In 95, I was a home loans manager already. Now, the banks at the best of time, Pimelo, can be very unfair. Um, if you talk about housing, right, or bonds, there's three Ps. The parties, seller and buyer, the P, the property, and the other P, the price, right? Mm-hmm. Now, before the bank can sell any housing institution, there must be those three Ps, parties, price, and property. So, I don't know how many houses the banks have sold in institutions with the price of 10 rands, right? In other words, as far as the bank is concerned, they just need 10 rand as a consideration. I've heard so of one rand me, sales. I've heard of one rand sales. So to sales. me, if the bank can sell a house for 10 rands, that means that list, that in Cape Town, you know, situation, there's a list somewhere in Wales Street, right in the provincial housing board. So if the bank is willing to sell a house for 10 rand, then those people on that list, whether it's a waiting list or a database, whatever you can call it, right? Basically, the first preference. Because the reason why the bank would sell a house for 10 rand is precisely because they've made their money. They just want to get that house off their books because it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a bad landing, you know? But they've made their profits. Quality corruption in Cape Town, Pemelo, when I was an estate agent also, one woman had four houses in RDP in the town two area, and they were all belonging to you know, her daughters, whatever. Mm. Corruption. Mm. Also in town too, Makaya, Mandela Park, which is a disgrace to Mandela's name, in Isikosa, it is called Uvezinyao. That is how small those houses are. So if in the Constitution without talking to me about dignity, where's the dignity? Because on average, you know, these RTP houses, Camilo, are on average 30, 35 square meters. But if you go to Rettenvach, Maitland, right, those RTP during apartheid, on average 80 square meters. Where's the dignity today? Pemelo, a very good afternoon. Thank you very, very much, Mzi, there in PE. And I'm going to come back to you, uh, Marie, because he's touching on, on where... We are wasteful, I, I imagine. You know, that one individual, um, Soraya spoke earlier about how there just isn't, um, there isn't this so-called list. It doesn't exist. It's, it's a myth because if one individual can be granted four RDP houses, what does that say about the system and how the system is unfair to others and corruption, obviously, leading to that corruption conversation? 891 I'll take more of your calls after this. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So we're auditing the state of housing in South Africa, and um, my guests are Dr. Sumer Bekas, who's a public law researcher at uh, University of the Western Cape, uh, Supermand Lamkwanazi, F&B senior economist, and Professor Murray Khotsameya, who is a professor of School of Architecture and Planning at WITS. Okay, so we, we heard from the caller before we went to the ad break, who who's talking about all sorts of things, stuff that... Um, Dr. Bukas has addressed stuff that you, Professor Hazemeyer, has talked about where even if people are willing to go through the right channels, one person is suddenly able to get four homes, depriving others of, of space um, and that right that we speak about. Um, one of you also spoke about, you know, the law is here for us. The Constitution is for all of us. But then there are advocacy groups, for instance, like Abatali, Basam Jondol, who have done the right thing, who have gone to the courts, who've used our constitution to do the right thing, but they agitate, right? They agitate government. They're not really popular. They're also very vulnerable because government doesn't like people, actually, I've decided, doesn't like people who know their rights. Any one of you can respond. <laughs> yes, that's actually very well put. Um, 
and actually the rights are there to empower people mm. and people do need to know their rights and it should be the, the the government should be going at length to make sure everybody understands the the, the rules of the game and that the government plays by the, that rule as well and it's it's quite sad when it's vulnerable organizations vulnerable organizations representing people from vulnerable mm. um, vulnerable communities that have to that are the ones that, that have to stand up mm. and actually say you're not playing by your get by the rules of the game you know mm. um, and I think I think Z pointed out some of the really important parts of the Constitution as a dr. Birkus that um, we, we have to work towards a greater level of equality mm. um, how that works out in an urban environment is is it's no there aren't any easy answers so it's not just a matter of everyone getting a house that would be a city with an ocean of houses um which would be a nightmare to live in um and that's acknowledging that that life is a nightmare for a lot of people in in our cities on those peripheries with huge housing areas and in addition to that, informal settlements with very little transport, um, long distances to basic facilities and so on. So we have to think about more compact ways of, of, of organizing the housing and, and multi-story and so on is, is in the discussion. Yeah. And there are mechanisms um, to make that happen. But there always is, when, it, when it's low-cost housing, um, the state in t- um, has this tendency to... Um, to give the, the the responsibility for maintenance to the poor people themselves rather than having to manage that. And it is difficult. It's difficult to manage housing stock over, it'll be over a century that that, that has to serve its purpose. Um, it's expensive. It's, 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 again, those are... Well, which, which, which is what, what brings me to Spomandla's, um, my question to him is, in, a, in an environment like this, in fact, you, you then deem people very vulnerable people in in an environment where they they don't really have access to stuff they become very vulnerable so there is i'm sure a massive black market in in this market because if i cannot legitimately get a government sub you know subsidy or a government house that's been given to me by the government and i cannot get the bank loan from the bank but i may do something in other words i live somewhere and i'm paying somebody it means that somebody's going to exploit my desperation to be under a roof. How do you, as the bank, then take responsibility for that? Look, yeah, it it it, um, it does happen. Um, uh, the the black market is is, is quite thriving in, um, in in townships, as we speak. Um, it doesn't take long. You can drive around Alexandra. Um, you'll see structures going up there, and um, sort of people creating their own market mm-hmm. uh, because there's demand. I mean, there's always going to be um, there's always going to be occupancy there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite I'm not quite sure how um, th- we can um, take that and put it into. Let um, me let me let me be practical. Guy, the guy has a bank account with you. Right. Yeah. I'm putting you on the spot because you're the only one here. So the guy has a bank account with you. Yes. And in in his transactions, it's clear he's paying somebody for something, and this is a roof. It's very clear, right? He's not out in the streets. He's not homeless. He's paying somebody. And in you, there is no understanding that let's give him something that could be his that he can own instead of this. Being, you know, the guy called, called earlier, he's living in the back room, he's got a fancy car, meaning there is 
money there somewhere. He's paying somebody, but he's not being protected or he's not paying it in the way in which I think as all collectively would like him to would like to see him pay for it. So with dignity, he doesn't have the dignity of owning a home. He's paying rates. Somebody else offered him something that is out of the market, properly related prices. And yet the bank can verify he's paying somebody. That's where I have a problem. If you can track the fact that this guy has got money to pay, why can't we facilitate it to be done in the manner that is of dignity? Look, we we'll first have to establish whether um, those payments are illegal or um, they go into the um, to the black market. So, from a banking perspective, you don't don't necessarily know um, where it's going. It might be labeled rent, but I mean, that's just uh, an agreement between an individual mm-hmm. and a landlord. Mm-hmm. Our relationship stops there. Um, I, I think the relationship between the bank and um, and and the customer doesn't go beyond um, having to ask. You know, well, who who are you paying for this, and uh, what are the terms of, um, of 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 trade? Our relationship doesn't go as far. But what we have done as the banking sector, and specifically FNB, is that we have studied the market and we've we've understood how it works. Um, and part of our part of our offering now is that um, those who are actually homeowners in the um, in the township space and have backrooms, for example, we've allowed them a facility where they can claim on um, on their equity. In other words, even if it's not bonded, you've got this. You've built these houses. We lend to you. Um, with that house of yours as a collateral, and we say you can go and build more rooms. So we've tried to bring them back into the market, whereas in the past um, they would be in the peripheries, they would not be in the in the formal market. So it's one way um, of, um, of of of. So we've understood how the market works, and it's one way of servicing the market, which we which we admit that it's it, it hasn't been served well. Hmm. Do you want to add on to that? Well, I I don't want to put the banks off the hook. Um, but there is an issue about um, a real housing gap yeah. in, in terms of the what is being built. So if you look yeah. on any property website, you'll find one or two RDP houses selling for about 230000 You might find that the small flat somewhere uh, on the periphery for, for near to 300000 mm-hmm. But a bachelor flat, what, you can't move your family there. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing. There's, there's, there's then from five hundred thousand, you know, a really dilapidated house somewhere in an old area, mm. and and but but there's nothing in between. And so the banks the banks decide what is bankable, and I think that's what's pushed a lot of housing into a category that's unaffordable. So um, and 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 the developers do what what is bankable because they of course need to get their finance. Um, and but we need to break that up. We need small units, and already Johannesburg has now got an inclusionary housing policies that it requires developers to include thirty percent. I think it is. This is what I was small units. This is not new. We've been hearing about this for a while now. I've been hearing about it for a while, but I've also seen develop- developers who are not inclusive, who have yes. stuck to their millions of properties without alongside uh, 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 something more affordable. So if all of us are saying Alex, for instance, is a problem, but I mean, does this make sense? If a developer who, even if it is an office block, refuses to acknowledge that the guy that works at the office block needs a place to stay. I mean, it's as simple as that. The fact that there is an office block, your bank, for instance, builds builds a a building in Santon, right? The guys that work there as as cleaners, um, as security guard, if there would be at least a floor that houses them, that eliminates part of the problem in Alex because Alex is servicing the guys that look after you in the bank and clean. 
I mean, it's really that simple. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's 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 one of those um, um, interventions uh, we haven't seen much of. Um, but look, as as the prof was saying, that we as 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 the banking institution, we only we only play where they stock, right? Um, it's not that there isn't appetite to play in the lower end of the market. There's plenty of appetite. What we are saying is there just isn't not there isn't enough stock at the moment um, to be playing in the lower end of the market. Um, and there are many reasons for that. Um, one of which is um, affordability. Maybe the developers think that um, there isn't enough affordability in the lower end of the market, and it's a it's a volume based market. Um, margins are quite thin. Let's, let's talk about that social responsibility talk because I'm getting a little bit hot under the collar. I'm trying yes, to understand yes. why we just can't get it right. I mean, if the guy is going to be making uh, X amount of profit, to cut that slash that was 20% to allow that to be a multi-purpose building where you can at least allow people who, of course, will not afford to buy the home, give it for, give it for free. I mean, they are part of your ecosystem. I don't understand wh- why it's so hard. Uh, can can I come yes, here? Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. Look, to me, the banks can do more. The banks can can really do more to look at the social justice contract. For instance, I really, from where I stand, banks are just about making money, and they don't care that the constitution is their responsibility too. For instance. Since 1994 to now, we have lost something like 400 billion in houses that have been repossessed and sold off at auction. And a lot of that has got to do with the bank, but also the courts, because between before 2005, the clerk of the court could just rubber stamp a judgment order. Once a client has a judgment order against a default uh, person that has defaulted on his home loan, they can go to the to the clerk of the court mm-hmm. and and stamp an execution mm-hmm. order mm-hmm. until the case of Van Royen changed that because houses were busy being sold for 150 rand. Mm-hmm. But that continued on until 2011 in the high court because when the lower when, when the constitutional court decided that in the lower courts they shouldn't do that. They didn't care to say that in the high court you should also change that rule. So in 2011, that rule was changed. Rule 46 now allows the court to look at all the relevant circumstances when a house is up for auction. But let me tell you how the court is not interpreting Rule 46 properly. In 2018, a man in Harankua defaulted on payments. His house was worth 500,000, he owed 370,000 and the bank wanted to sell his house for 40,000. He went to the court and said, please put a reserve price. Please don't let them sell my house like this. And of course, the court has to balance the rights in proportionality of section 36. And the court said, look, it's all right. Let them sell your house for that price. There's nothing we can do. Mm. The court is wrong because in order for the house to be sold, the debt must be satisfied. Mm. Mm. So if you're losing your section 26 right to a house, I'm talking about your primary home Mm. now. If you're losing that home, the bank has to consider the value of this property when it bonded it. 
But when it sells it in execution, it doesn't care. Mm. Because like the previous caller said, they don't care if they sell your house for 10 rand because they've already made your, their money. So by the time of execution, we don't know who's losing money. Is it the bank or is it the, the, the dead defaulter? I feel that the court has a responsibility mm. to not allow the bank to sell a house for under the price that a person owe at least. And if we are going to heal the past and we're going to conform to the future and prosper people, a bank should not be allowed to sell a house under the value mm. that you can get on the open market. That way a person can pay the debt, satisfy the debt, walk away with a little bit of money to restart mm -hmm. security of tenure. Mm -hmm. That is progressive realization. Mm. Virgil, we're really sorry. We've been uh, very... Imp yeah, yeah, we're sorry, Virgil. Hi. Hello, Virgil. Hi. I actually have such a lot to say, but uh, let me just latch on to Professor Bickers mm. uh, in terms of the banks. I think there's much more, much, much more corruption that we need to investigate even in the private sector mm. uh, in terms of collusion uh, between the most probably the banks and the, and the private developers, price collusion and so on. Uh, but the other thing is in terms of the uh, government does have the, uh, the policies in place to deliver the houses. Mm. Uh, I think it's just when you're talking government, it's just about the, uh, the bureaucracies in government between national, your provincial and your local authorities and also the authority where it is seated to deliver those houses. It, 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 there's, a lot, there's a lot of fight between your provincial government and your uh, local government for that matter, because the local government doesn't like the product that the, that the, that the, national, that the provincial government is proposing, uh, and therefore they're holding up the entire process. Uh, then it's also about the land use. They don't want to approve the land use in councils. And I think uh, over and above this, we, we, we just need... Uh, uh, to reset and, 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 and call a national housing summit again because yes. the banks are talking the same language than prior 94. They are yes. still talking about the risk. They are still talking about the profile of people. They, they don't come to the table in terms of funding or finances and so on. They still look at the judgments that people have over and above the fact, and I understand that there's legislation that governs this, but over and above the fact that people have already proven that they are rehabilitated, the banks, do, the, the banks are simply not interested uh, in that type of a client. Now, if you look at the products that government has put on the table, you've got your gap housing, you've got FLISP, you've got uh, uh, BMG, you've got all those products. But the problem is that the municipalities do not want to release the land mm -hmm. for the purposes of housing. Mm -hmm. That is the problem, ma'am. Virgil, thank and, you so uh, much. I'm going to let you go because we've had three points. I've got somebody else waiting on the okay. line. Sipo in Woodbank, we're so sorry to keep you waiting. Hi. Uh, no, yeah, the conversation is very hot. Yes, it is, sir. Go ahead. How are you all? Go, go you. ahead, go ahead, Sipo. We don't have much time. Okay. Uh, I hear the professor uh, saying that, uh, that they are losing too much money of fixing the house uh, in terms of the local house. Uh, the problem is the contractors, service provider, they're mm. taking a long time to pay. Mm. And uh, even the engineers that you are sending out there to go and do the quality controlling, they are not controlling under the payment of the service provider's time. That's why they are failing to deliver those houses. Uh, actually, the time is too small. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Because we feel that two 
each tourist uh, ourselves in Soweto. Until today, we haven't been paid by the, the local government. We've been hosting on the 2017. Until today, we haven't been. So where are we going to take our economy? Thank thank, thank you very much for that, Sipo, in Woodbank. I'm going to have to wrap it up, but I really want to appreciate your contribution, uh, Dr. Soraya uh, Bukas, who's coming from the University of the Western Cape. I also want to tell you, Pamanda, you are are taking it for everybody. Uh, Look, ultimately, I think you also need to take the feedback back to the bank to say there there needs to be more done um, by banks in general. As we just speak to your colleagues, also also I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Professor Josemeya from WITS as well for coming through. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Three o'clock now. Let's go to Utila Sago for the latest in news.